All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome to an it's 11 11 tim i like when that happens thank you for joining us here another episode of dropping the gloves tim's here i'm here it's 11 11 are you are you one of those superstitious guys tim 11 11 touch touch your head touch the roof of the car when you go through a stoplight i'm not superstitious but i am a little stitious so i still do those things oh my gosh bad joke right off like the that. top you can't monday say. morning he comes in hot but anyways, it's it's 11-11. Thank you for joining us. This episode is draw, brought to you by Give Better. Visit givebetter.app to take a quick survey, everybody, and you'll be entered to win two tickets to an NHL game of your choice. You also can find the link in our bio. It's Give Better, social responsible sports gambling. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. It's a great company. You guys know I don't partner up with companies I don't like. I don't respect him, and I love the guy who started it, Bo. It's a great, great idea, right, Tim? You win, love you it. lose. You, you never really lose. It's it's a beautiful thing. You bet on the bills. You win a little bit. You lose a little bit. 25% of all losses go to charity, charity of your choice, and it's tax deductible. So you lose a big bet, but you also gain, gain a little bit on your tax returns. So check them out. Go to Give Better dot app slash dtg that'll let them know that you got you found them from us so it'll give us a little boost it'll give your your conscience a little boost gambling's okay but it makes it a little bit easier if you know you're giving to charity and you're helping out your tax return so at the end of the day it's all good you know what else is not good tim the the fighting this is not on the agenda but i i like to keep up on the fights i like to see what's going on the actual fighting in the NHL this year is pretty pretty much on par from years past, but the quality of fights has dropped dramatically. And I wanted to speak to it a little bit because I, I checked the box scores of games I don't watch all the time, like an Anaheim-Philadelphia game last night. I'm not going to watch, but you check the box, box scores, Ross Johnson and Nick Delorier. It's like, oh, that's exciting. Watched a fight, crazy letdown. Two heavyweights, Nick Deloria, a very active fighter, Ross Johnson. Johnson finally getting some playing time with Anaheim after just getting benched, stapled to the press box last year with the Islanders. He got picked up on waivers by the Ducks. I'm expecting a good fight. Much like the night before when Philly was playing Minnesota, drop of the puck, it's Pat Maroon for the Wild fighting Nick Deloria for the Philadelphia Flyers. 
it's so disappointing these days when you watch these fighters and you can tell the main thing going through their mind in a fight is I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get hurt. And when you go into a fight that way, it's just not enjoyable. They grab on and they put their head away and they never come up for air. It's just like one of these things where they reach and punch and they're not looking where you're punching and they're just hoping that something lands. I don't know. People enjoy a good fight, but it's not enjoyable when two guys go into a fight and they just have no interest. Matt Martin got into a fight the other day versus uh, someone from Ottawa. Awful, 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 awful fight. So incredibly boring. It's embarrassing to me as a former fighter to watch these guys fight. It got so bad for me that I had to go back and watch my fights to, to just assure myself that I didn't do that. I'm like, did, am I just talking out of pocket? Like, did I do this? Did I just hide? And not want to get hit. And I went back and watched all, not all of them, but a majority of them. I'm like, no, I didn't do that. Then I kept going down that rabbit hole from generation, decade to decade to decade. And it gets pro progressively worse from the 60s to the 70s to the 80s, the heyday. 90s was good. And once you hit the 2000s, that's when people start to kind of learn how to fight, I should say. The boxing te techniques come in, the grabbing, the grappling, that sort of thing. And it's just downhill from there. Gone are the days of, you know, the coach, or not the coaches, sorry, the um, Cotes and the Proberts and these guys where you just grab on and you just throw bombs. Dave Brown's, like, it's just depressing. So I was excited to see Ross Johnson, Nick Delorier, and it's an absolute dud. Yeah, they're throwing their hands, but nothing's connecting. And then they get like a five and a half rating on hockey fights. I guess fans are just disappointed too. They just rate anything that's decent fight i don't know i just saw that let me know your comments because i'm interested am i off base on this tim you know you watch a few fights is it just not exciting anymore when two veteran fighters square off like matt martin looked completely disengaged it looked like he just had to check that box and move on in the game it was just it's just frustrating to watch as a former fighter it's like where's where's the jam I didn't get up for every fight, but I tried to kill people when I fought them. Now it's just like going through the motions, these guys. I don't know. What are your, what's your take, Tim? I'm kind of springing this on you last minute. Yeah, I'm not definitely not the fighting connoisseur that you are, but I think you're totally onto something. And I, part of it, I mean, I want to take the opposition side and say guys are understanding more than they ever did the importance of protecting yourself, protecting, you know, the CTE, all that stuff. And so they're being smarter about that sort of thing. But as the fan, yes, it's not exciting. And if you can't get Delorean and Ross Johnson are both, I mean, definitely top 10 fighters, if not higher. Yeah. Um, definitely Delorean. If If you can't see them going at it, as something exciting, then something's definitely off about fighting in general in the league right now. Yeah, there's a couple guys. I like that Jack guy from Montreal. Obviously, Milan Lucic, who went down with an injury, so he's on the IR. He's not going to be fighting much. There's a few guys who still harken back to the old days of just throwing caution to the wind and just fighting, throwing punches, trying to knock people out. But for the most part, it's embarrassing. It honestly is embarrassing. It's just not fun to watch. It's just two guys trying not to get hit. And it's like, what are we doing here? What's the point of this? I just, I don't know. Hopefully it comes back and the fights get a little more violent with, with some intent on your punches. I think that's the thing, Tim. It's just like, I want that killer instinct. Brady Kachuk, when he fought Alex Tuck last week, he wanted to hurt Tuck. I like that. I want more of that. I think these days, 
the guys aren't fighting with that intent to hurt somebody. They're fighting with the intent to just not lose and to win just a little bit. Just to get that extra punch, like the Tyson Fury-Francis Naganu fight, <clears throat> whatever the guy's name is. Fury wasn't trying to win and knock him out. He just didn't want to lose. Nobody wins in that case, right, Tim? Well, how much of the fight is trying to win individually versus what it does for your team in terms of momentum and energy and that sort of thing, where maybe even if you lose, you still turn the game around, right? It depends on your size, I guess. I never had that I never had that luxury of just saying, you know what, I'm gonna go out there and I just gotta show up. That that was more of a Cam Jansen thing in my weight class. Guy, everybody who fought me, everybody was just amazed that they showed up. You go look at all the comments, and I used to read all the comments to my fights, and everyone's like, "This guy's a hero, Derek Dorsett. What a warrior, Cam Jansen, unbelievable." You'd even answer that bell, Jared Bowl. Oh, you're so you're so daring to fight John Scott. And so I never had that luxury of after the fight, someone saying, "Good for you. You really stepped up." You, I know you got beat up, but good for you. you. You won that fight just by showing up. But there is that aspect. But it, I don't think it happens very often to where guys show up to a fight and they know they're outmatched. It doesn't happen anymore. I don't know. It's just it's just disappointing for a guy like me. You don't get it, Tim. Guy like you, you should write a book about that. I did, and I don't want anybody to read it. Isn't that funny? How's your book going? We should have our books on our little shelves. No, um, I don't have one. Fine. Yeah. Let's talk about some hockey. Let's talk some news. All right. Let's talk about some slow starts to the NHL. Everybody comes in with high expectations, but especially these four teams. These four teams wanted to shake off either a bad year last year. They wanted to revamp a new season, maybe build on a good finish last year. Not going to plan so far. Let's start with the Buffalo Sabres. Currently last place in the very tough Atlantic division. They're four and five, which says a lot about this division. But it's just not going to plan for the Sabres. They usually have good starts. This is the troubling thing. So maybe this is a new trend where they have a slow start and they'll finish strong. Years past, they've always had great starts and they just cratered after Thanksgiving, where they just are completely done. This year, not so much. They're four and five, like I mentioned. What's going on in Buffalo, Tim, that these guys just they can't figure it out? Well, there are a couple of bright spots here. So Jeff Skinner is kind of continuing his, his career resurgence. He's got nine points in nine games, leads the team with five goals. And Rasmus Dahlin is doing what Rasmus Dahlin does. He also has nine, nine points in five games. So they're they're doing pretty well. Dylan Cousins has seven points. That's about a good number for him. If he does that pace all year, that's a great season. And Casey Middlestat, kind of an underrated player, I think, in this league, also has seven points. And then it starts to drop off. Tage Thompson had a, a, an abysmal start to the season. And then he had three goals in the last three games. He had a two-goal game there earlier last week. Um, and so he's kind of picking up a little bit of momentum. And now he's up to four goals, two points over nine games. So he's kind of picking that up a little bit, but this is the guy that wanted to get 60. You know, this is the guy that wanted 50. And so you need more from him. And I don't think just knowing what we know about his personality, he's, I don't think anyone's tougher on him than he is. And so I think he'll figure it out, but it's a troubling start for him. And the other guy that I think I've kind of got circled on their roster is Alex Tuck, who has just one goal and five points. And he's like kind of one of the He's not quite a power forward, but he's like a scrappy, strong, like Kaloran type player, I think, that just does a lot of things well. And you need more from both of those guys, and you're not getting really anything right now. Yeah, last year, Thompson had 94 points. 
Alex Tuck had 79. They were the backbone of the Sabres offense. And now to start the year, we're almost we're almost an eighth of a way through the season. I know it doesn't seem like much, but in hockey, you do kind of segments. First 10, next 10. They're all, the first 10 is almost done, and these guys have really struggled, really, really struggled. They're on pace for less than a point per game, and it's just not good enough. You nailed it, Tim. This is the reason why this team is losing. And maybe we could have expected this. This offseason, they have they had a bunch of money to spend. They went out and they did nothing. They brought in Jack Johnson to solidify. Does he really solidify a defense? Maybe to mentor the young guys, Owen Powers, Erasmus Dahlin. I don't know about that signing, but other than that, they did absolutely nothing. They got Greenway last year at the deadline, which was also a head scratcher. I don't know why that trade ever materialized, but they haven't really done much to invest in their forward group. Their defense is their strength. That's why they they give up three goals a game. That's good. In the in today's NHL, when you want firepower and scoring and up and down the ice, that's what you want. Three goals against is a good number. The issue right now for the Sabres is the offense. They're not scoring. Jeff Skinner, good. Nine and nine. That's awesome. He should have more. Than he makes $9 million a year. Alex Tuck, Dylan Cousins, that's good. He makes 7.1. He should have more. You know what I mean? There's more there for these guys. And I think Kevin Adams and their GM, Don Granato, or sorry, Kevin Adams or the head coach, Don Granato, really expected these guys to take the next step in their progression. And it just hasn't happened yet. I don't see any of these younger guys advancing from where they were last year. Good offseason, a good training regimen, another year in the NHL, more comfortable in their surroundings. If anything, they've regressed a little bit in the first 10 games, and it's reflected by their four and five records so far to start the season. They need more. If this is it, if this is the Sabres team, a team that we're very excited about, they need to go out and make some moves. And the good thing they do have, they still have almost $9 million in salary cap space sitting there in the bank. They can go out and get a proven score to kind of help the top two forward lines. Because right now, when you look at their line combos, the top two lines aren't that dangerous if Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck aren't producing. Peyton Krebs coming over from that Vegas trade, zero points. Absolutely invisible. A first-round bust if I've ever seen one. Gergensen, another first-rounder of theirs, a good checking forward. You got Tyson Yost, Dylan Cousins is that third-line centerman guy. He's not going to put up a crazy amount of points, but it's their offense, Tim. They have to figure that out. If Tage Thompson is not that guy going for 50 goals every single year and Tuck's not that guy who's getting 80 to 90 points, who's that guy? Is it Jeff Skinner? I don't think so. I think he had a good year last year. He got 70 or 80 points. What do they do, Tim? Do you do you play the waiting game? Do you wait for Tage Thompson to find a scoring and Alex Tuck to come around and these these forwards to kind of hopefully revert back to what they were last year? When do you start pressing the panic button? You go, you know, we got to bring someone in if we're going to do anything with this season because the clock's ticking. And don't look now. Everybody who's ahead of you in the standings, the Senators, the Panthers, the Lightning, the Red Wings, the Canadians, the Leafs, and the Bruins, they're all playing pretty good hockey. Everybody in that division's strong. Montreal Canadiens are 5-2-1 and one for Pete's sake. Everybody thought they were going to be in the basement. Detroit's having a great start to the season. So how long, Tim, do they wait before they either panic and go grab a guy? Or just call it a season. That's it. 
That's the tough thing because they're four and five, right? And so it's it's still a pretty good team. It's not a terrible start to the season, but in this division, that's that does kind of initiate panic mode a little bit because they're in last place in their division, which, like you said at the beginning, speaks to the strength of the Atlantic. The other issue is that the goalies are aren't healthy. Eric Comrie's had lower body injury, will likely be sidelined for at least a few weeks. And Devin Levi, the rookie, the stud, was is still recovering from a lower body injury himself. Dud. The young stud. stud. Remember, he came in the playoff. Like, Starter. He's 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 a young stud. I'll, I'll Tim, give him. Tim throws around stud and superstar too much. Stud too much. in the making. He. This is what they. But the the expectations were really high for him. Amongst Agreed. Him. High expectations. He was. He's a starter, not a stud. And well, yeah. And, and the Sabers were like everyone's kind of darling. You know, like little pick to to take a major step forward this year, and it hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah, we have that uh, Lukanen who came in and got his first NHL set out last night. A big win over the Avalanche, which is which is huge for them. But um, I'm I'm feeling nervous. I'm waiting another week or two. I mean, November's uh, Thanksgiving is about three weeks away, right? You mm-hmm. need Cage Thompson. I feel like he's the guy. Talk you need more from sure, but he's not the offensive stalwart. Tage Thompson drives the bus. So whatever, where he goes, so so the team goes. So he's where I'm looking at right now. Like I said, he's got three goals in his last three games. So we're starting to pick it up a little bit. I could easily see him being the, you know, the hottest player in November. You know what I mean? Or maybe he continues to struggle. He's got both of those in his um, potential wheelhouse. But I think he'll turn it around. And I think hopefully the Sabres start to batch together some wins. I hope so too. They got, they got, have a good team. But when you actually do look at the roster, there's some holes there. Yeah. Especially up front. You know, they they don't have the firepower as other teams do. But, you know, I, I like the way they're building the team. They're not extending themselves. They still have a lot of money, like we mentioned. Next year, they'll grow more, hopefully go out, get that score. But, I don't know, their defense looks looks solid. It's just their offense. They have to score more goals. That's how you win games. You got to score more goals, especially with those guys up front who have proven signing Kyle Poso, making him cap and again for another year. What a mistake that was. All right, moving on to another team that had high expectations, like Tim just mentioned with the Buffalo Sabres. People were having the good feelies with these guys last year. Gentlemen across the nation, I have an urgent message for you. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the brand that brought you Lawnmower 1.0 is back and better than ever with Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. The Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra features new cutting-edge design, next-generation dual skin-safe blades, and heads for all kinds of shaves that you need. It's pretty much the best trimmer on the market. You should join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the brand-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with code GLOVES20. That's gloves20. Go on to manscaped.com. You get high tech stuff for low prices. Manscaped. I use it all the time. Take my advice. My girls, they grab the lawnmower. They trim my neck hair. They trim my ear hair. They get in in my nose. I'm not worried about them cutting or making me bleed or them freaking out because blood's flowing out because lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is the real deal. You can trim everywhere and it's super, super safe. So, Go to manscaped.com. Use our promo code GLOVES20. You get 20% off free shipping with our promo code. That's 20% off free shipping with promo code GLOVES20 at manscaped.com. Before the season started, they ran into injury problems. Things didn't pan out the way they wanted them to. They made a little push at the end of the season. Also in the Atlantic Division, the Ottawa Senators, Tim, went out, get Vladimir Tarasenko, 
Everybody's excited. They re-up everybody. They signed Jake Sanderson to this big contract. Brady Kachuk's all excited for him. He's having a great season to start the year. They're in second to last place in the Atlantic Division. They're just ahead of the Buffalo Sabres. What is going on with the Ottawa Senators? They're four and four. This was supposed to be their year. They took the next step. They they fought back into the playoff race last year when we were talking to Brady Kachuk. He he emphasized how exciting it was to play meaningful games down the stretch. Right now, if things hold fast, there will be no meaningful games played in Ottawa at the end of the season in March and April. What do they need to do, Tim? To this is another. Ship? Yeah, this is a strange thing too, because four and four is not a terrible start. But again, in this division, you're seventh place. And you are getting jumped by the Red Wings and the Canadians, who are third for Pete Six, five, two, and one. Mm-hmm. So I look at their roster, and their their offense is good. Their offense is there. They're averaging um, over three goals a game, like you said. Stutzla has has leads the team with ten points. Um, all the top guys are producing: Kachuk, Tarasenko, Giroux, Chikrin, all eight or nine points each. Like they're they're all producing. There's a couple of things that are wrong. First, I think they're missing a pure goal scorer. Brady Kachuk has six, and he's a very very good hockey player. And I think his offense is is probably still underrated, but he's not a pure goal scorer. You need another guy who's going to be like your go to guy with a puck on his stick. And no other forward on the team has more than three. Stutzla has two. Tarasenko has three. Giroux has two. So on down the list. So you're missing that pure goal scorer. I think you were hoping for that last year with Debrinkit. Obviously, that didn't work to work out. Um, to me, it's probably going to be Tarasenko who has to fill those shoes and step up and find the back of the net a little bit more among you know their existing roster. Um, but they're missing that piece right now when when I look at it. And the second the second thing is goaltending. Yeah, like the goaltending has not been very good. You need more from your goaltenders, and they're just not getting it. Um, you look at Anton Forsberg, you look at um, who's their or other Pisalo. guy? Or Pasalo. Yeah, both of their goals against are above three. Not good enough. Both the save percentage, 873, 902. Like they're, they're not terrible, but but not good enough. So those are the two things for me that stand out. No, Corpusalo has been bad. They they brought him in. They signed him to a big ticket, $4 million a year. He's had good seasons in years past when he was with Columbus and he finished the year with LA Kings, but he's been subpar. It's it's been really really bad for him adjusting to life in Ottawa. Who knows what's going to happen there? But those two guys need to be better. I just think uh, I don't I don't want to call it puck luck. I think the goal scoring will come from in house. So I don't think they make they need to make drastic changes. Tim Stutzla will score more goals. The guy had thirty seven thirty nine last year. He's a good goal scorer. I think Norris could be better. Giroux's there, Karasenko, Batherson. I don't know. They have a good roster. They're scoring goals. It's just not happening consist- consistently for them on a day-to-day basis. When I look at both of these teams, the Sabres and the Senators, I'm a little less worried for the Ottawa Senators. They have a good roster. They're built yeah. very, very well. Their back end is solid. You got Chicharin, you got Sanderson anchoring the first two lines. Sanderson with Hamannick, and then you got Chicharin with Bernard Docker. That's pretty solid. Maybe the last five, six pairing, I don't know much about. Maybe go out and get a veteran at the deadline. But I think the Senators will be there at the end of the day. The Sabres are the one where I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen there. I like the Dominic Kubelik pickup with the Debrinket trade. I think he's going to have a sneaky good year for the Senators. Debrinket's killing it. Obviously, everybody's focusing on that one part of the trade. But Dominic Kubelik is a good player in the NHL. He did it with the Chicago Blackhawks. He's going to do it with the Senators. I think everybody needs to pump the brakes on him. He's only got one goal in eight games. He should come around, but I don't know. I, I don't push the panic button with the Senators as quickly as I do it with the Sabres. 
But there comes a time, Tim, where you have to just say, what are we doing here? With these young rosters, there's not much you can do. These are the guys who you're rolling with. And you mentioned it, was it last year or the year before we were talking? You were very excited about this team. And I said, they've reached the high watermark. Yeah. This is as good as these guys are going to get. Maybe I was right. Maybe this is it. This is their team. And it's it, it's not the team that's going to win a Stanley Cup. May, I, I think I'm wrong because you go out, you bring in a Tarasenko, you bring in a Jacob Chitron. Those are two massive pieces to this roster that should help. It's not helping just yet. But it's still, you're eight games in. But maybe I was right a year and a half ago when I said, you know what, these guys, they had a great year and they didn't go anywhere. That's not good. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And I still hope you're wrong, but we'll see. I do too. Friend of the show, Brady Kachuk, one of my favorite players, him and Jack Hughes. <laughs> hey, Jack is mine. No. Don't Bye. even get me started. <clears throat> Moving on to another team in the Eastern Conference, this time in the Metropolitan Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins are another team who kind of went all in this offseason. High-profile defenseman Eric Carlson. Everybody knows about him. The saga with the San Jose Sharks. He had 100 points last year. He wins the Norris Trophy. Everybody's all in on Eric Carlson again. He's resurrected his career. He's back to being that guy in 2013 who was flying all over the ice don't look now this team sucks tim they're really 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 not really really bad but they're three and five they're languishing in the bottom of the metro division latang stinks carlson stinks carlson stinks to the point where i just dropped him on my fantasy team which is a joke that is an absolutely crazy thing that he did why why should i not drop him because he had 101 points last year. Oh, okay. So after te- oh, sorry. I, I, I forgot we're playing last year's points. Okay. Uh, I'll go pick him up. His What's his floor? What's his floor for points this year? 25. 50? 25. Uh, okay. Let's... Tim, Tim, he's got four points through eight yeah. games. Okay. That's a 42-point pace, and that's a slow start. So so slow that you dropped him for that. So don't tell he's, me 25 is He's dash floor. one. He's not shooting the puck. He's only got 17 shots on net through eight games. That's not good enough. You're, we'll you see. like those advanced stats talking about, what was it last week, talking about how Jack Hughes and Ranton, they're even close. Jack Hughes is stuck. And this guy, he's just sucked. I dropped him. I picked up some schlub who just gets hits and blocks shots because of the stupid fantasy stats. It's so dumb. I picked up uh, Mario Ferraro, a friend of the show, for the same reason. Yeah, and this yeah. is last night. So Great. I didn't drop Eric Carlson for him, but you're whatever. you're enhancing the fact that people spend a lot of time in their zone and block shots. You're rewarding it. It's such that that one should not be whoever did the the points categories should have never did block shots. So dumb. That was okay. you, wasn't it? Let's talk about the penguins. So it what's was you. what's I'm the commissioner, so I'm actually in last place. I shouldn't be talking. Are you really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's because of your first ranting and pick. Should have picked Jack Hughes. Maybe. Um, All right. Let's talk about what are we doing here? Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. What's going wrong with the Penguins? Well, there's a lot of things going right, which is kind of what makes us a bit of a head scratcher. Crosby okay. and Malkin have nine points each in eight games, as does Jake Getzel. Um, so their top players are being their top players and all their secondary scoring are doing what they're supposed to do too. Brian Ross is right there with seven points. Riley Smith, the new addition has six points. Can I stop goals. you right there? I yeah. don't want to cut you off, but I need to, I think we need to stop and we've done it with the Sabres and the Senators and now the Penguins. 
I think we need to stop saying that that's a good number, a point per game. That's not a good number. It's not. Superstars need to do more than that. At the end of the season, if all these guys get 82 points, is that a good season for them? Well, probably not. No. Right? So it's but... not good enough. When you look at the points, my my best buddy in the world, Jack Hughes, has got 18 points. Yeah. Dylan Larkin's got 15. Brad's got 14. Pedersen's 13, 13, 13, 12, 12, 12. More than a point per game. I think we're setting the bar super low with these three teams when we say, oh, he's got nine and nine. That's good. That's not good. It's well, not nearly good enough. When your 37-year-old center has four goals, five assists, and eight games, you can't look at the reason that you're dropping in the standings and say he's a, he's a problem. Yes, he's you can. Doing, he's you doing what you're can. asking him to. No, he's not. If you he said, do hey, more. eight games in, Malkin's going to have nine points and Crosby's going to have nine points, would you take that? No, I would not. When you look at their past history, when you go, okay, last year he had 93 and 84. The year before that, 84 and 69. The year before that, 62 and 55, 179. He is better than a point per game pace. I don't care how old you are. This is a game of results. You could be 22, you can be 38. You have to show results when you're the highest paid player on the team. So when I look at who's making the most money, you got to do better. Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, you need to do more. Yes, oh, good, you got a point per game. That's fantastic. You also get the most power play time. You get the most ice time for all the forwards in the offensive zone. You need to do more. Eric Carlson, you make $10 million a year. You got four points. Who called that one? Terrible trick. They're going to regret trading for him forever and ever and ever. So, yeah, I just, that's how I see it. I, I don't think it's good enough for these guys to get a point per game. I know I'm kind of dumping on your point and it ruins the rest of the segment, but I ju- it no. just came to me where it's like, I don't think it's good enough. And you're giving these guys a pass just because they've got a point per game. Okay. Well, let's talk about the defenseman because Chris Letang has zero <clears throat> points, five assists. Letang and Carlson has one goal, three assists. Are we seeing the same thing that we saw with Burns and Carlson where you just can't have? two guys and like that on the same roster and all of a sudden their points drop in half. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's not enough room in that lock, not enough space in that locker room for those, those guys. And I know Latang probably doesn't have an ego, nothing, nothing from him screams. I'm egotistical. He seems like a team first guy, but yeah, it's not working. Eric Carlson needs to be the top guy. And maybe he doesn't like seeding time for the Latang. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he plays well with very skilled defensemen running shotgun next to him. We're, so. we're they played eight <clears> games, <throat> so they're ten percent into the season, and Eric Carlson has two more points than Ryan Graves does. Yeah. It's yeah, and why would I not? I would rather have Graves on my fantasy team because he does hit, he does block shots. Carlson doesn't do any of those. Okay. Uh, the you goal hate thing, you hate admitting you're wrong. Ugh. What am I wrong about? You go okay. But what am I wrong moving about? On. That you would not have Graves over Carlson. You're, you're valuing Carlson based on last Graves. year's stats. Okay. If um, you were to do the blank player, you'd go, this guy has one goal, three assists, minus one, 17 shots. This guy has two goals, one assist, 50 hits, 20 block shots, and 10 shots. Who would you, who would you take? You'd take Ryan Graves all day. I'm going to do this right now. <clears throat> Ryan Graves is ranked higher. So yeah, this see, the league, um, you can rank like, like all the categories equally weighted. Ryan Graves is ranked 270 among all NHL players, not defensemen. And Eric Carlson is 283. Boom. Graves Facial. has 
uh, fewer hits, but more block shots. Dumb stat. Yeah. But anyways, moving on, the Penguins are in trouble. Goaltending has been subpar. Their forwards need to play better. The back end's been not bad, but it needs to do better. Everybody needs to be better. They're losing to teams that they should beat. You mentioned here in the agenda, the Hawks, the Blues, the Senators, the Red Wings. You got to beat those teams. Especially, especially the Hawks and the Blues. You have to beat those teams. I get the Senators and the Red Wings. They're they're okay. But you got to beat the Blackhawks. You got to beat the Blues. Those are teams that are tap-in wins for a team like the Penguins who have can we call it Stanley Cup aspirations? That that's what they that's what they did when they went out and got Carlson. They want to win the Stanley Cup. They do not look anywhere close to a Stanley Cup through the first two weeks of the season. This is a team that looks lost. This looks this looks like a team that isn't laden with veterans who've been there, done that before. It's it's not good enough. They're last place, Tim. Last place in a very pedestrian metropolitan division with teams like the Capitals, the Blue Jackets, the Flyers. Penguins are last. Oh, at what point does Dubas lose his job over that Carlson trade? Such a bad move. People were like patting him on the back. Oh, he's so great. Bad trade. All right. Any Anything else on the Penguins, Tim? No. Let's move on to the <clears throat> fourth and final team of this little segment. Heading out west, the Calgary Flames. First, should we talk about this Heritage Classic first? What Heritage Classic? It seems like every time this happens, whether it's the, the World Series or what do they call it? The ones overseas? The Stadium Series. The and Stadium the Series, World, the Heritage yeah. Classics. It's so bad. Did anybody, and I... All of our listeners, please, please let us know if I if I'm wrong on this. If you are not in Alberta, please let me know if you knew about this game. The only reason I knew about this game is because we're part of the Nation Network. They're based in Edmonton, and they had a pregame party at some bar, and they were taking a bus to the stadium to watch the game. That's the only reason I knew about this game. I check NHL Network all the time. I check all the hockey sites. Nothing. There was no commercials between games. I did the Hawks game on Friday. Not a peep, Tim, was mentioned about this Heritage Classic. Did you see anything? Did you catch any advertising for this game? I tweeted this out. I am at least, at least an average consumer of NHL hockey Mm. games. At least. And I didn't know. I didn't know. It's wild. Except for I'm on that same email thread you are. Like I saw that stuff, but like nothing from the NHL marketing or PR, which is just crazy, especially when you have the best player in the world, potentially of all time, in that game. Yeah, and he, he's back from injury. Everybody's excited. Connor McDavid trying to right the ship for the Edmonton Oilers. It's just Gary Bettman is finest. He's such a dummy. He's going to have 16 games on one night and zero games on the game. The days buttressing that 16-game night. All, all in on black. Who cares about everything else? He's so dumb. Anyways, moving on. Both teams had a lot at stake at this game. Yes, it's an outdoor game. Both teams are floundering immensely. The Oilers came in losing, I think, four in a row. The Flames came in losing five in a row. They both needed to right the ship. Edmonton righted the ship. They went out. They played a strong game. Calgary looked completely lost. They've now lost five in a row. I think three in a row since Nikita Zadorov went off and just started throwing everybody under the bus to the press. I don't know. is there anything to take from this, or is this just like the Oilers beating the San Jose Sharks? At this point, do the Flames have anything going for them? No. No, and we kind of, I don't want to be a dead horse. We spent a lot of time on them last week. But speaking of, like, just player stats and everything, 
Andrew Mangiapane is their leading goal scorer and he has three goals. Like <laughs> brutal. And and you're not getting anything from Huberdo, I think is dash 10. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's got five points and and Kaj, like it's just it's bad, man. It's bad. I feel bad for the Flames fans. Like what, you got nothing to to look forward to. They so. do have a new rink on the horizon. That will be the kind of the saving grace in, in five, four years, I think they're probably going to move in maybe three if they expedited a little bit, but that'll be the thing to look forward to. But yeah, they're a bad hockey team. They got, they need to break this team down. It's obviously not working. It didn't work last year with Daryl Sutter. It's not working now with his new coach. They have to just trade everybody. Why wouldn't you, you have some assets on this team. You have some guys that other teams would find valuable. They're not all signed to bad contracts. This is a case where a GM comes in. Craig Conroy has been there for what three years. Not he gave even. it. A, he gave yeah. it a kick at the can when Trevealing left. He he went out, made some moves. He, he just isn't working. Is anyone going to take Huberto's ten point five million dollar deal? No one's taking his deal. Is anybody going to take Kadri's seven million dollar deal? Nobody's taking his deal. This is where it gets to the players you could trade. Mangiapane's a valuable asset. Backlund you could get rid of. Coleman people would maybe take a kick the can at Elias Lindholm. People would be interested in you have some good players that could get you some return, especially on the back end. You got Tanev, Zadorov, you got Uyghur, you got Hannafin. Those are all decent defensemen. I think you're doing yourself a disservice by just keeping these guys on your team and they're ruining their value. I know it's early and GMs aren't swinging deals this early because you're trying to figure out who your team is, but you have to make a move. It's not good like- enough. There's a few GMs who at this point know who their team is and and the Flames are one of them. You there's nothing here. So. Yeah. Yeah, but there's the GMs who are in contention, you know, the, specifically in the West, in the Canucks, the Kings, even the Ducks are in there. I don't think they're going out and making moves. They're happy with where their team's at. I don't think these these Flames are going to make any moves for a long time. So this this season could turn sideways for the Calgary Flames quickly. Conversely, the Edmonton Oilers get a much-needed win. They're now 2-5-1. and one. Vander Kane goes out, gets a couple goals, maybe gets that monkey off his back and starts producing like he should after his demotion to the third line, getting benched, air quotes, if you're not watching on YouTube. He's back. He's happy. He's playing on the top line again. But it, will this spur a, a, a change for Edmonton? It was kind of s- surprising. McDavid didn't get any points. Did he pick up an assist in the win, Tim? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like he went out there and dominated. But I think this was just a case of Calgary's just really bad. Stuart Skinner had a good game. I think that's promising for the Edmonton Oilers. Their goaltending has been atrocious, as documented by us. But do you see them going on a little bit of a run here, Tim, to write their season in a really pedestrian Pacific Division? Yeah, I I do, and I think they will. I mean, they're like I said, I I I'm a little bit higher on them than you are. Just the roster and just the goal scoring ability, especially if McDavid's in a lineup. I think they can string together some wins. I think they're probably a playoff team, but I don't know that you agree. And we also saw what was it? Was it um, who was the TSN guy last week who had those like Greg real- Button? Yeah, he said calling them a playoff team is basically delusional, something along those lines. So now that makes me rethink because you might not know what you're talking about but craig button does so i love i love the the relationship we have on the show the one thing they have in uh that's good for them is they play some subpar competition they get to play san jose they get to play seattle they go to nashville 
there are teams that they should beat in the next few weeks. Yeah, they got a couple hard games, but Islanders, Seattle, like they, they should come out of this stretch in November with a winning record. They're three games below 500 right now, but I don't know. I was, I did the Chicago game, like I mentioned last Friday. They played the Vegas Golden Knights, come out on top in overtime. It was a great game for Chicago. I didn't realize how hard their first 10 games were or whatever. The opposing team's record in their first eight games was something silly like 16-1-1. They played the Avalanche. They played the Vegas Golden Knights. They played the Boston Bruins. Both of those teams twice. So they just played the best teams in every division. They played okay. And then they beat the Vegas Golden Knights. So... It's kind of all about matchups the first week of the season, couple weeks of the season. The Hawks could be sneaky, sneaky good this year. They they hung in there with the elite in the NHL, and they did pretty well. And they, like I said, they knocked off the undefeated Vegas Golden Knights on Friday. I think it had more to do with me. Huh. I, I called I, a great game. I um I was looking at the standings while you were talking. So Buffalo, which is in eighth place in their division, they have eight points. Meanwhile, Dallas Stars have nine points in their second place in their division. Yeah. Pacific. Like that's it's crazy. That's that's the central. Um crazy. crazy. Yeah. Just yeah, the the differences in uh and again, we're you know, we're still October, so I don't want to overreact too much, but so something. Yep, yep. But the Bruins, ever present, everybody thought they were gonna take a step or two or three or four back, are just still dominating the NHL. They're beating everybody and they're doing it in outstanding style. They've only given up 12 goals. It's silly what they're doing. They're just putting on a clinic, Tim. It's it's amazing. I thought they were going to fall off the map and not make the playoffs, but good for this, good for the Boston Bruins. It's good Wait. when they're winning, you know. Right, what amazing. else are we talking about, Tim? We got some DoorDash quick DoorDash quick hits brought to you by DoorDash, brought to you by DoorDash. Quick delivery. Well, we we should maybe streamline that instead of saying DoorDash so much next time. Quick hits brought to you by DoorDash. Brought to you by DoorDash. Uh, quick delivery nation 25 for 25% off and free delivery only in Canada coming soon to the United States. The first one here is a potential friend of the show in the future, but a good friend of yours, Jumbo Joe, made it official with a retirement announcement over the weekend. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it was time. I think he extended yeah. his welcome for a long time, going to Florida, going to Toronto, trying to chase that cup. But where does he go down? As one of the greatest assist man ever, one of the greatest setup artists ever to play the game. He was a fun player to watch. It's it's nice to see him finally put the final stamp on his career. I think it kind of is the unknown stinks because, you know, he had feelers out there. He's trying to play. He's trying to get on a team to potentially win that elusive Stanley Cup. So, I don't know. Good to see him go. Well, I'll reach out. Maybe he'll come on the show. I don't know. He's very... uh. He's very private. He's 44 years old. Tim. It's not like he's a spring chicken and he's played every bit of like NHL hockey for the last 25 years. He didn't play last year. And so he hasn't officially been in the NHL since 2021, 22 with the Florida Panthers, but yeah, he's done good for him. He still looked good in the video shirtless, still got the big old beard, but yeah, first, first ballot hall of famer, correct? Oh, for sure. What, what year was he drafted? Was he 2000? He was drafted in 1997 98 by the Boston Bruins, first overall pick. Then the, the Bruins also had the third pick in that draft, right? They got Sergei Samsonov. Is that the same draft? Yeah. That was the same draft where I think they went, it went Thornton, Marlowe, Samsonov, or maybe Samsonov was like the fourth or fifth pick, I want to say. But yeah, 
Just an incredible what? hockey player, good ambassador to the game, did everything right, beloved by his teammates and coaches alike. The guy yeah, was Samson. just a joy to be around. Samson, I was eight. It was uh, eight. Jumbo, Marlowe, Ollie Jokinen, Luongo, Eric Brewer. <laughs> Pretty nice little lineup there. Uh, That's a heck of a draft class. Wow. 1997, though. What were you doing in 1997? I'm actually, I, I'm drafting a text right now to send to Jumbo because I've been thinking about it kind of all morning and I want to do it in a way that he wants to come on the show. So I want to weave in like, Hey, come on the show, but also congrats on a good run. 1997. I was a freshman in high school and I distinctly remember going to Sault Ste. Marie for our all Ontario's hockey tournament. It was a big deal for our team. We never made it. I played that year where I just quit travel hockey and I went and played for my um, high school team, governor Simcoe Redcoats. We made the big tournament. We go there. We're playing in the Sioux Greyhounds arena. They're leaving for a road trip. We're coming to unpack our bags. Everybody's clamoring around this big guy, and I didn't really know anything about him. I had my Boston Bruins hat because they were my favorite team. I go up and I say, hey, can you sign this? And he signs my Boston Bruins hat months before he were to be picked by the Boston Bruins first overall in the NHL draft. So kind of providential, I gave him that hat. But yeah, that's the first time I met Joe Thornton. Fast forward to 2014-15, he was the first guy I met in San Jose when I showed up for off-season workouts. I walked in the San Jose Sharks training center. I got there early. Just I wanted to make a good first impression, get my gear unpacked, just kind of get settled in their training facility. I walk in. All I hear from upstairs, the gym is upstairs in the rink, is, Big John! Like, just screaming and i've never met the guy before in my life and i look up and there's jumbo joe thornton shirtless with compression shorts on just drenched in sweat and he's been there for the last 45 minutes to an hour bagging himself on the bike before camp even started so that was the like the really the first time i really talked to him and then we became really good friends in san jose where he just you know he's got a couple young kids his wife and my wife kind of hit it off to Bea, and we've just kind of been friends ever since but yeah great guy Fantastic guy. We'll give you the shirt off his back at any given second. He's just one of those guys who just doesn't care about money at all. He's like, whatever, I'll just take it. I don't care. So good, good dude. Very good dude. Did you ever tell him that story of meeting him? No, never. Yeah, never. You should. So I know I was going to weave it into the text. Be like, I, I still remember. And then you want to come on our show? <laughs> I just, yeah. How do you write that text? It's just like, I, I don't want to sound like a... Just a loser. You know what I mean? Like begging these guys. It's such a weird thing. It's easy for you, Tim, to do it. <laughs> Just pretend I'm you. Yeah. Um, what else is on the quick kits brought to you by DoorDash, Tim? A couple other things. These are all also brought to you by DoorDash. Alex Lafreniere had goals in three straight, um, which is exciting. And then you look at his stat line. He's got four goals for the season, zero assists. Is, is that little stretch of goals... Is it worth getting excited about, or is that just a little blip? No, it's not. I think we we know who he is. To quote Den- Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. We know who Alex Lafreniere is. He's he's a guy who has the talents. If he wanted to, he could maybe be a dominant player, but he's just he's not that guy. So it's good for him. Get a little get a little hot streak going, and then he'll cool off for two weeks, and everybody will be calling for his head in Madison Square Garden. Oh, gosh, if Kako and Lafreniere had panned out, this team would have been good. But he's not that guy. All right, what else, Tim? 
One more thing here from me. Connor Clifton was suspended for two games for an illegal hit to the head for uh, on Nico Heashier, who didn't play on Sunday. I saw the hit. It, the elbow was tucked, but it just he kind of leaned forward into the head a little bit. No real, no problem with the suspension. I feel like you, you can be air on the cautious side, and hopefully Heashier's back in the lineup soon. More concerning is I picked him up for fantasy um, Sunday morning because I needed the defenseman who got hit. So I, I picked him up, and then I noticed he was out, so I had to drop him right away. So he really ruined my fantasy because I needed a couple more hits to win that category. All right. Closing on a somber note here. um, Adam Johnson passed away in a league over in Europe. I'm not exactly sure which one, Tim, but yeah, he passed away. He had a, just a tragic (laughs) incident where he got cut with a skate along his neck and he just died. It's a really, really terrible situation. So thoughts and prayers are going out to him and his family. He was engaged. Really sad stuff. Hockey's uh yeah, it kind of takes a secondary position when someone loses his life. So we're thinking about the, that guy uh, and his family. It's just, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really else to say. It's kind of, it is a really bad situation. You want to touch on that, Tim, at all? Or? No, I was, I was just, I was pretty sad all day yesterday thinking about it. And um, yeah, just, just yeah. You never know when it's your time, so make sure you're making it worthwhile. All right, everybody, have a good uh, Monday. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 